0: Amen. We're going to do some church, uh, friends, family, uh, visitors who have with us here today. Uh, we're so happy that you have come to join us. On this Lord Day, as we gather each week as a community of faith, as a faith family, to worship the person of Jesus. Uh, We believe that Jesus is Lord. Uh, This is a church all about Jesus. We want to point you towards Jesus. We believe that Jesus is who said that He is. And I have the opportunity uh, of being uh, the teaching pastor here at Mission. And um, as Pastor Justin said, I just want to say thank you for coming and for gathering. Uh, with us here this morning, I would encourage you uh, to use that Bible as that is in front of you. Do not use your Bible to follow along with us here today uh, as we continue in this sermon series through the book of First Corinthians. Uh, I was recently telling some of my pastor buddies uh, that I was preaching to First Corinthians, and they're like, "Oh, gosh, why did you choose to do that?" Um, and that is because uh, there is a section within this letter. Uh, that is extremely difficult uh, to preach, and it is extremely difficult to preach in a very American pluralistic uh, um, society. And
1: uh, I just want to say that this morning, what is going to take place is as we work through this passage, uh, is that they you will know, have a thirty-five thousand foot view of this passage, and then over the course of the next several weeks, we will to this passage several times. But this fall is going to break down many of the components, and we'll do a deep dive into those aspects of, of this, because today we provide for a good opportunity as an introduction uh,
0: into where we're going to be heading for the next several months. With that being said, there are going to be several things that are going to be said in the next several months that are extremely controversial, uh, They are going to be making us feel maybe possibly even really uncomfortable. Uh, even parents, uh, you who have uh, children who are in the gathering with us today, as I'm trying to figure out, as a pastor, how to actually talk about some of these issues uh, that maybe they have not discuss with your kids or, or they're just not ready to hear about those things. Uh, so, parents, please be with me and know the pastors as we try to talk through, uh, again, some very difficult is, but they're in the Bible. That's why we preach text, because I'm telling Joe, as I've told you before, if it was left to me, I would skip over some of these passages. But we believe really in what's called exegetical preaching. We preach re- through books of the Bible, word for word, um, passage by passage, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And that forces us um, to reflect and to see Jesus in what is extremely controversial. And so, over the next several months, I want to encourage you to do something. Um, bar you being out of town and you being sick, I want to encourage you to be here. Uh, that should be the case every time, but this is a major priority for you and your family. Um, but again, if you're sick, please come here. If you're out of town, it's impossible for you to be here. Um, but if you're in the house uh, while this is going on, I just want to lovingly fight the through and pull you back, make sure, and that you're here with us as we deep dive into these issues. Um, so I'm going to do a sermon today in this series called So Were Some of You, Part 1. And then next Sunday, it was going to be Part 2 of that. And it's going to be a lot about Jesus and why he makes all this possible. So we've not had sexual immorality on Mother's Day. We're trying to use some wisdom. Um, and then the following Sunday, uh, we will begin in some really difficult waters. Make sense? It will if you read First Corinthians. Uh, <laughs> you know where we're at. All right. So here you have Bibles, let's jump right into this. Um, in this sermon series, we're calling it "Fight the drift, because that is the song that we just sang. Is that all of us, even who are Christians, are prone to wander from the gospel? We're prone to wander from the person and work of Jesus. I am, and you are, and we need the Bible. We need the Holy Spirit. We need uh, each other to help. Course correct us to, to keep us from that wandering. Um, conflict in the church isn't an American thing. It has been since the time of Jesus. Why? Because sinful people who have been made saints by the love of Jesus are participants in that body of Christ, and, and yet we still struggle in our sin. And because of that, division happens, disunity uh, happens, relationship, conflict, all sorts of things. Happen within the life of the church. That's why most of the letters that are inside the New Testament are written from uh, disciples of Jesus to churches that are really struggling to be the church. And the, I think of
1: all of them, the Corinthian church is probably uh, the church that has gone the wildest. And I all of them. And so Paul is writing to them, imploring upon them, pleading with them, to
0: come back to Jesus, to come back to the gospel, to come back to what it means to be the body of Christ. And so in last week, if you remember, inside of the chapter 6 in 1 Corinthians, if you just want to even look at your Bible so that you know about line to use, is that, that Paul was talking about forbidden lawsuits, and we discussed Within uh, the Corinthian church, is that they often would not deal with
1: serious sin, but they were taking each other to pagan courts, to non Christian
0: courts, um, to have them sentence be judge and jury over conflicts within the church, over trivial issues within the church. So we talk about ramifications and the fruit of what that means if, if our conflict gets to the point where we're going to pay courts instead of the church and its leadership handling those sorts of issues. Um, In that sermon, I I said this to you, that at
1: the end of the day, one of the things that's extremely
0: serious to God and to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit is how you and I interact with each other, and, and within that, how you and I handle conflict says a lot about us and our faith, maybe even to the point of revealing um, that that we're not truly Christians. And so he talks about that in the first, what is it, eight verses inside of chapter six that we covered last week. It's the best sermon that you will ever hear on Christians doing each other. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe not, but it a sermon on the topic, right? And today we're continuing in that same thread. So let's let's go back one verse um to the, the verse uh, what is it, eight, um, or let's go seven. Uh to cat losses at all one another is already in the feet for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded, but you yourselves wrong and defraud, even your own brothers, right? And then he would have continued going. And he says this, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So the first thing that we to see inside of this passage, if you want to call that 9a inside of your notes, if you're
1: notating this morning is the first thing that we see in 9 and 8, the first portion of verse
0: 9, is that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. The unrighteous
1: will not inherit the kingdom of God. Where is some of the names are unrighteous? or they're lost people.
0: They're non-Christians. Um, they are not followers of Jesus. Jesus is not save them. They do not belong to him. They are the unrighteous. They are people Make sure that you get this, that are living a continual or habitual lifestyle and pattern of sin. Their lives are not marked as followers of Jesus, their lives are marked as people who do not surrender to Jesus, who do not obey Jesus, who do not believe in Jesus, who do not follow after Jesus. These are the unrighteous. And right there, there's already a throat punch to our culture and society because it is the belief of many, even within these United States of ours, that when it's all said and done. Jesus is so loving and so forgiving that he will ultimately let everyone into the kingdom of God. But that's not what Bible teaches. There will be one day a great judgment. There will be the separation of the sheep and the goats, the saved and the unsaved, the righteous and the unrighteous. And you're drop a church sign and it says universalist, that's what they're preaching and that's what they're proclaiming, and it is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible is very clear. There is only one way into the kingdom of God, and his name is Jesus. It was by him and
1: him alone. We are saved by
0: faith in Christ alone. And that faith, according to Ephesians chapter 2, is a gift in and of itself. That's that because of the love and compassion of Jesus. But here the Bible tells us they will not go
1: to heaven.
0: And yet, as I joke around with words, like you've ever been to a, a funeral in Kentucky, one thing is for sure everybody in Kentucky is going to heaven. Right? But that's not the Bible teaches. That one day there will be this great separation. Notice, this is willful disobedience. This is a person living a lifestyle of sin. As Christians, this side of heaven, um, yes, you and I fall into sin. There's a difference into stumbling into sin and then your life being marked by this pattern, willful disobedience, this lifestyle of sin. Um, If I was to watch your life, you know, a rigid camera for a week, or you were to watch mine, you could see the patterns of my life. Would they reflect Jesus, or would they not reflect Jesus? Well, if the pattern of your life is that it does not reflect the person of work of Jesus, then the Bible is pretty clear here: the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. To go back to the earlier question again: how you and I are interacting with each other, how we handle conflict, may very well determine. Um that experience. Paul is using this, I mean imagine he's going from talking about forbidden lawsuits. Hey, if you're acting like non-Christians within the church, it may ultimately reveal that you're not Christians. You may be murdered, but that's not even the church. This is a very serious statement. Um, in theology, we may say that this is even the negative, and Paul is eventually going to get to the positive, positive, we'll really the positive side of these passages the um, next Sunday. The wicked, some translations, instead of unrighteousness, will say the wicked, will not be with Jesus in heaven. Alright? Now the thing is, you and I
1: don't think that we're
0: as wicked because that's what are we doing? We're comparing our wickedness or our sin to the sins of those sitting next to us. The Bible doesn't declare that's how you measure your wickedness. Now you compare your wickedness, your life, to that of Jesus. That's you compare it to, and you ultimately it is revealed to you that, and you're not holy, you're not righteous, uh, that you are not perfect. But let like me sit here in this place, and so we're grateful to this
1: uh the, to this very text that you now understand not everyone is going to heaven.
0: Not everyone is going there. If you have a pattern and lifestyle of sin that is in complete opposition to that of Jesus, then do not expect for one day to stand before him and for him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So, if we continue on this passage, you know, again, Paul is with the very hard. He starts with that question, do you not get this? And it's a very real question. Why? Because so many people are professing to have a relationship with Jesus and yet are completely wicked and have this pattern and this lifestyle of sin in, uh, again, that is, again, at war against the person in the world of Jesus. So Paul continues on. Do not be deceived. Right? This so is do not be. You're looking inside of the Bible. Do not be deceived. The word deceived, what does that mean? It means to be misled, to be led astray. It means to wander. If you want to use that within our sermon series, to drift is also what it means to be deceived. Right? That Jesus is the and arrow, He's the way to turn the life over to the
1: Father and set. Through Him, and
0: yet you are deceived in some other pattern of life, or in the sin itself, when when you get away from Jesus, when you get away from the gospel of Jesus, that's what it means to be deceived. And I've been deceived before, you. Well, Paul is speaking with pinpoint accuracy of uh, into these people that is saying that we must fight against deception. Do not be
1: deceived.
0: Deception itself is, is coming from sin, sake, and death. It is it is so easily to be distracted. It's so easily to be deceived, even here this morning. I would guess that a this side that there are many people who are living wicked lives and yet are so conceived, the Bible tells us that sin makes us often blind, that we cannot see the things of God clearly, that we cannot hear the things of God clearly, that we cannot speak and do the things of God clearly, that our, our sin has so deceived you and I that, that literally we can proclaim that we have Jesus as is living inside of us, that we are, yes,
1: Pastor, I am a
0: Christian, but over the last several days have lived like a wicked. Paul, ultimately, Jesus, is saying, church people, do not be deceived. Yeah. See, the hardest people to reach are people who believe they got this. I mean, think about this. If you're, uh, if you're saying, right, you have an enemy, you must think that a very smart process, very smart way of attack would be actually to uh, deceive people within the church, right? Isn't that a very plausible, uh, strategic, Method of attack it is not because the Bible tells us as we've seen outside of Corinthians, don't judge those outside of the church. Why? Because those people outside of the church are doing exactly what they should be doing. Now, doesn't mean the what they're doing is, is is sin, and we know that to be sin. But what Paul has told us already in Corinthians is that we've got to really focus on what's happening within these walls because the greatest deception is, is not taking place outside as much as it's taking place inside the people who are professing to have a relationship with Jesus and yet they are wicked. And so they're, they're not coming to Jesus. Why do they is that this whole thing happening inside of the New Testament as Jesus goes to the most religious people on the planet, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the, um, the Zealots, all these people who probably had the Old Testament memorized. I'm not I'm just talking about the really smart fellows walking around in those fancy roads. I'm talking about the general public. Most of them knew the Old Testament. Many of them by heart, by memory, you can call a verse that they're going Bible trivia every single time, it's OT, okay, right? Old Testament. And yet Jesus shows up, and the, the Jews did not believe that they needed to be saved. They didn't understand that they needed to savior. Lord. We're Jewish. We're God's chosen people. We're religious in every way. Yes, we only worship God, and there is only one God, the Lord is one. And yet Jesus is so much harder on religious people who proclaim that relationship with God and who don't? You want to see Jesus get riled up? He doesn't do that for the prostitute with blood and drink. Pretty do good for? Church folk are professing to know his father but they do not So, do not be deceived. Stop being deceived. Uh, I love what Pastor Alistair Bay, he, he says about this, is that um, he would say it's in reference to like, a person being an illegal alien. Inside the country or inside the city is that they they want the benefits of living among the people. They're living among the people and they want the benefits, but they do not have citizenship. Maybe that's me today. Maybe that's you. to see Now let's keep reading here in nine C. You're not going to
1: see neither the sexual worldwide adulterers, nor adulterers, <coughs> nor men practicing sexuality, nor, nor thieves,
0: nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor vilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, again, well, we got to make sure that we focus on this. Is that we're not, we're not talking about an actual believer here um, who this week is, um, and if, if we're not ready to dinner with each other, and um, I decide that I'm going to take the last piece of broccoli, which I would never do, because that stuff is disgusting, just pretend. My wife is still hungry, and there is this plate with there's only one
1: bite of chocolate cake left.
0: We're not talking about the situation of a a believer in Jesus, you're saved, and you stumble into that, and you sit in there and
1: you're like, I'm taking this last piece of cake. right? We're not talking about that. Because that is going to happen. That's greed. Right? That's selfishness. But what
0: we're talking about, what Paul is talking about, with the language inside the Greek language that this is written in, is again this continual pattern. Like you're known as this type of person. Now, Paul. Uh, Is going to give us a list here. And this isn't an exhaustive list. It's, it's probably meant that he's addressing some specific sin issues that are taking place within that culture and within that particular church. That's why we'll do a deep dive into those things later on um, in the next few weeks. So it's not an exhaustive list. So if you read this list, you know, and you go, man, I've never struggled with any of those. It, it's not to be, again, an exhaustive list of all other sins. Also, it's not necessarily,
1: uh, we'll get back to that in just a second. So, let's look at this very quickly. So, sexually immoral. It's where we get the the Greek word here is pornina. It's where we get the English word
0: um, pornographic. So, essentially, what Paul is saying is that if you have this pattern, this lifestyle of being sexually immoral, that means that you're having
1: any kind of um, pre-miral sex, any kind of, you
0: know, pornographic things and that list goes on and on and on and on and on. If you have a pattern inside your life of engaging in sexual immorality, any sexual activity outside of the marriage, he goes on to get another, uh,
1: another, I Worship of anything or anyone, other than God. right?
0: He's gonna come back to this, But it's the the worship of anything other than Jesus. What happens oftentimes in these cases is is that that people have a tendency to worship some sort of creation other than the ultimate creator, who is God. You and I make idols out of anything our children, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, our money, our job, our status, our platform. Anything that we can put our time, time, and treasure above what well, we put God, if that God has a throne that we place in our girlfriend up here, our boyfriend, our status, uh, our whatever it is, our collection of these things, no matter what it is, anytime you place something above or where only God should be, that is the worship of idols. virus for us in America. Typically, we we'll won't walk into any home and see, you know, some Buddhist statue or some um, you know, carved image. We do that typically with all wallets. It's what we get our time to count treasure to. We that our, that is our young. Adulteress. This is any sexual activity with anyone other than your husband or wife. The next one is homosexuality. There are actually two words in the original Greek. <coughs> some translations have put them both in, some have left them out. ESV just combined, I uh, think, for reading purposes, it flows a little bit better. Here, if you read some of that, again, go deeper into what is taking place here. But just know that there are actually two words that
1: is happening. Um, some of that has to do, with, again, um, a, a male uh, having intercourse sexual activity
0: with another man, or a woman engaging in sexual activity with a woman. It also, the other word, is a reference to people um, of the transgender. But, but there should be a clarity that a man looks like a man, acts like a man, and that a woman looks like a woman. car and uh, you get at work all day and you get to your car and you get home and you're into your pocket and you recognize that you have a pin from the office. Alright? Did, did you take something that did not want you? Absolutely, you did. That could be a mistake, right? That does not mean that you're a thief. However, if you get home and you take that pin out and you put it into your collection of pins from the office, that means you're a thief. Alright? So it's taking something that does not belong to you. It's using something that does not belong to you. You need to sneak in some night. You should keep going your, those keys or those ends back where they belong. It's, it borrows some clothing and you permanently borrow it. Right? Okay. Sorry, I guess I'm you the shirt back sometime. Okay. <laughs> <The family. laughs> so we see that thieves are this greedy people who always want more, they're consumers. They're never content what they have. To make themselves feel better, what they do, they go buy stuff. It numbs their pain for a while. This is what it means to to be greedy. They're always thinking for someone else's hats. That vacation, that car, that house, that boyfriend, that girlfriend, that husband, that wife, uh, that computer, that car, whatever it is. This is the person whose lifestyle is patterned by this. Right? We're seeing this consistent thing. This is a one-off. All of a sudden, you got to put a that in my vault. something that you should not buy. But no, if this is your pattern of life. We see this over and, over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. This is a very serious problem. You should not be getting wet. You should not even see. Drugs. These are addicts. Why does the Bible speak heavily against us drinking too much or using drugs? It's not just because of the health benefits of not doing those things. But it's also because the Lord has called us to be self-controlled. And um, I've been around a few people on the that names today who have a tendency to lose control. Have you ever seen people act differently when they've got a few in them? Now what we're trying to say is like I, no, I'm just I'm just buzzing a little bit. No, do not be deceived. The Bible doesn't have a problem with responsible adults taking and drinking an adult beverage. But if this is the pattern of your life. That you can't sleep or you need just something to knock the edge off or that you are known as a person who's more about these things than you are a person who working with Jesus and you have a very serious problem. Do not be deceived. You're walking a very slippery slope and it doesn't matter if it is pills given to you by a doctor or going to Chuck's and purchasing all that you can drink. This is a problem to the Lord. And yet, how do you see? You're justified.
1: Oh, it's just It's just a little
0: like that. Right? Again, does the Bible have a problem with responsible adults who can know their limits and are not controlled by these things? Uh, absolutely. I, mean, I will not stand up here and, and try to dictate to you something that the Bible does not say. The Bible is not about that um, you know, everyone has to be a teetotaler. <laughs> Though, for some of you, you probably should. You should have nothing to do with it, especially if you probably have some Rich story and past of these problems. If you're known for being designated drivers or calling an Uber, brothers and sisters, you probably have a problem. It's a very serious
1: problem. Right?
0: Do not be deceived.
1: Revilers.
0: That's the word we use a lot, right? Who are revilers? Well, revilers are a lot of people. There's a court case going on right now Defamation of character, right? And in <laughs> defamation is the speaking ill of someone. Like it's, it's done, it what it, it, it even this, is that you have a person here who is known for destroying other people with their tongues. It's being abusive. It's verbal abuse. It's being known as this person that is absolutely in control. And I'm just talking about that use of hurt. Because I've read the text messages from people that love doing good text messaging, or you get on Facebook, or Twitter, or Instagram, or Snapchat, or whatever. Blah, 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 blah. You love to just destroy people's character from afar. These I mean, people are much greater, typically, a people in front of them than they'll ever be in front of your face. However, it doesn't matter if it's in your face or behind your back. The Bible says that if this is known as the pattern of your life, it's, that this is a very serious problem. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is the gospel. The pattern of life of the gospel. He goes on he says, the swindlers. Who are swindlers? Swindlers are thieves. They're the cousins of thieves. Swindlers are thieves who steal indirectly. They take unfair advantage of others to promote their own financial gain.
1: Exorcers, investors,
0: competent um, men, promoters of defective merchandise and services, false advertisers, and, and many other types of swindlers as are common in our day, as they were in They cheat on people, Case in point. Uh, as many of you guys know, uh, we have a son here with special needs, severe special needs. Our son, Cash, he's the only one that gives me amens, page on their last at the most inappropriate times during the sermon. When we do something serious, he's looking at something in his iPad and he starts laughing, and it's it's awesome, right? Um, I remember preaching revival seven years ago, and this may have been in your circles more common for me in the past. This was more common. There was a time in my life when everybody was trying to get me to sell something, right? One. In the revival, I told a story about my son. And at the very end of that revival, this gentleman, health, so he did the whole He was trying to do something good. He said, um, Hey Pastor Eric, will you come out to my my, my truck in my car? I'd like to show you So I got into this man's car. I did not know name this is in Baldwin Green or, or, or
1: anywhere around here. He takes me out to the back of his car. i is, is this a drug deal going <laughs> down? I'm like, what oh. <laughs> he
0: a the yeah. drink. He's like, man, I got this drink mix. What? It's from a marine tree. And if you had your son and drink this, I really think that it would help. Thanks, buddy. I mean it's out I put the trash. And he did well. But he did use his discernment and wisdom. Now, these people will tell you, man, my company, my company, my company, my company, my company, my company, my company. my company,
1: my company. This is a good company, this is a good company, this is a good company.
0: Man, if you, if you will do this, Mama, they, they break, because there's tons of documentaries and research. I don't
1: make this stuff up, it's not like I'm coming at
0: this with non-research. But you can watch documentaries on this, you can do tons of research. But everybody is in what's called multi-level marketing, which is also awesome. known as the pyramid scheme, which is illegal, but they don't tell you that. But if you draw it on Michael Scott on the driver race board, Guess what happens? It forms a triangle. Okay. Now, are there some legit ones out there? Possibly, but you have got to understand, friends, that that's what the Bible. I'm using a current example to paint a picture. That's what the Bible is talking about. It's talking about swindling people. That people on the top get rich the people on the bottom them. That's called swindling, right?
1: And you got to be careful. That's right? Because the, the Bible is saying, man, the people who are leading that and convincing people, because it's, it's built around
0: deception. deception Alright? Man, every time I wear my yoke pants from that certain company, they keep ripping on me. Alright? It's, it's a problem. It's extremely it's cheating people. And the Bible says that if this is the pattern, then this is extremely problem. Now, everybody read the list. Which one's the worst? Bet when you read that this, that was one of the things that came to your mind. These elements, uh, but that one, whoo! That one is really bad. I'm not that one. But here's the thing, friends. Paul, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, do that on purpose. Because they want to understand, it doesn't matter how you define whether they're this bad or this good or this Good, and this bad. The Bible wants you to see, you lost these ones, that we would often just be like, oh, that's a respectable sin. nothing wrong." the problem. You stole some pins. That's not serious.
1: It's homosexuality. I mean, oh, my goodness. But no, according to the Bible, Jesus
0: says, this Bible right here says, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And what are some examples of those patterns of life? Are all of those that we just listed? It's about 10 words when you can count the double on homosexuality. And that's how he exhausted this.
1: And he's saying this. That was, he's not going out here the world about proclaiming this, even though it's true for them, but he's coming to the church
0: and he says, why are you professing to have a relationship with Jesus and yet you're living like the world? Do not be deceived. That You may not ultimately,
1: you may not be a Christian, if this is the pattern of your life, if God sees it, if Jesus sees it, if, if, if we as your church family, we can see this. And again, I know this is, heavy,
0: this is a, a, a very negative side and connotation here. We've got to be willing to do the hard work to see Jesus that clears. In American Christianity, uh, there are uh, many people in the United States of America, again, 97%, still claim be followers of Jesus. And yet when you talk to them, and maybe even in this room, like their version of what Christianity is, and with the version to of totally two different things. Maybe here today, everyone, I want you to know this. You're either in Christ or you're not. You're either a Christian by Christ or you're a received one, living for yourself. So, so quickly, let's, let's take some personal evaluation here today. I want you to be really, really honest as I kind of go move very quickly uh, through these two lists. We can get that slide there, Gary. On the first one, is said, A deceived person, guess what? Deceived people, quote unquote, believe. They intellectually did you? Did Jesus exist? Yes. Did Jesus live? Yes. Did Jesus die on the cross? Yes. Was Jesus buried? Yes. Was Jesus resurrected? Yes. Deceived people can believe on all of those things. Now, my pastor, John 3, tells me that for whoever believes, they'll be saved. Well, friends, what is the difference between cultural belief in Christian things and biblical belief? Because a saved person, please get this, I'm not saying that this is what you have to do to be saved. What I'm saying is, is that when Jesus saves you, guess what? You will produce fruit, the Bible tells us. And what is that truth for? for the true believer, it Is that they biblically believe. Because there's a major difference between cultural belief. Again, that's a great with facts. What are the facts? Yes, Jesus existed. Yes, Jesus died on the cross. Yes, Jesus was buried. Yes, Jesus was resurrected. The biblical belief, apart from faith and trust and action in that belief, is a biblical belief. It's really easy to check some box on a card and say, do you, believe it? you agree with me? Yes, 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 but that does not mean that you're a Christian. Yeah. If Jesus saves you, then you will biblically believe. Meaning that it has hurt to it, that it has devotion to it, that it has faith in it, that it has trust in it. And again, you can't conjure that up is simply a truth that if the Holy Spirit is placing himself inside of you when Jesus said to you, then guess what is going to come out of you? Is that you biblically believe. And even when it's dark and it's hard to trust, Lord Jesus, help my only, I believe, help my unbelief. You continue, but I'm going to choose to trust even though what I'm currently seeing and experiencing it looks really hard. Deceived people believe. And you know what the Bible calls that? Demon status. I'm not saying you're a demon, if you're deceived. But what I am saying is, is the Bible tells us that even the demons believe. So there must be a difference in demon status belief and biblical belief. Next thing.
1: Make light of sin seed people make really
0: light of sin. huh oh, you know, yeah, you know, I'm going out Friday night and I'm going a little tipsy, but uh, it's all right. I mean, nobody's perfect, right? I mean, nobody, nobody's perfect. It's, it's, it's okay. Or the sins of other people. It's that they'll do something that offends God or God. And it offends other people, and it offends God. That there's this offense here, but yet we all sit around and kind of laugh about it. It's deep, or it's funny. If it's funny, laughter covers a multitude of sins. Isn't that what the Bible says? Okay. And they make light of sin in their own hearts.
1: Oh, I, I, and I know this
0: about myself. But you know, nobody's nobody's perfect. We got to make I know this is going on in the world, but I'm not here to judge. Uh, let's, let's just let them do whatever they're
1: going to do because you know sin—it's just not that really big of a deal. Jesus at the
0: end of the let everybody in right, anyway. The fruit of those who are truly saved, when it comes to their sin, they are humble. by The more they grow in their relationship with Jesus, the more the Holy Spirit reveals nitpicky things about your own motivations of your heart. When I first became a Christian, it was Georgie was telling me not to kiss on my girlfriend too much. I really like it. As I've gotten older, it's what I married that girlfriend. I'm allowed to do that now. It's awesome. <laughs> but the Lord has shown me times <clears throat> things about the depths of my sin that I was unaware of when I first came. for Make sense? And when you said that,
1: it was a really nice thing that you said, but what was the motivation
0: behind why you said that to that person? Now, Eric, you think you did a really good job preaching today. Was that about you or was that about me?
1: Those are things that never even crossed my mind when people are saying
0: As a new Christian, it was like I got these big things off the the shelf. Right? And as I grow older in our relationship with Jesus, Motivations, affections. We're driven to even more humility. Also, these people, they make more against their sins. Instead of making like, I'm not going perfect. No, it's like you you, you, you sin and you're immediately covered with guilt and, and, and overwhelming. Like, I've of offended a
1: holy
0: God. So I'm going to make war against this. That's why the Bible tells us that when the Holy Spirit comes into us, like, again, it goes back to that self-discipline, that it's not pulling the bootstraps, work harder, No, but it's, it's relying and asking in the Holy Spirit that is within the Christian to make war against that sin instead of trying to cover us. Like, no, when you fall into sin, you're writing to a brother, writing to a sister to confess and ask for help and prayer, and accountability. Kind of i build the to more. you're willing to do whatever it takes to put that sin to death. i why talked a lot of my friends who are addicted to pornography. The best thing that you can do is get rid of that album, go to that old school Nokia, and also get rid of that, uh, that computer that you've got in your house. And you're really serious about putting this to death and get rid of those things. See the difference? One makes like,
1: ah, everybody's saying,
0: everybody just that girl went to you. That makes it right. No. Yeah. Next thing. Cherry pick verses. I don't know if you're familiar with any side of cherry cherry powder I, I still have. Cherry picking verses. versus. Deceived people, they cherry pig versus. Have you ever had you know strawberry patch, blackberry patch, blueberry patch, my blueberry didn't come in, my blackberries coming in my back car right now? Can't wait to eat those things. What see people, people do that are cherry-picking verses is what you're doing is you're selecting certain passages after the Scripture but not the whole of Scripture. Right? You're going to choose things like don't judge, right? That's the non-Christian's favorite verse to use. Bible says don't to judge, right? That's cherry-picking a verse. It's not using the verses before or after it to really develop a, a clear understanding of what that passage is saying. They'll pick some other verse over here. Right, it's like when everybody went through the tattoo phase, and uh, some of y'all got lower back tattoos. We won't mention any names, but you know when that was cool, right? And then all the grandmoms started quoting Bible verses. What the Bible says not to get tattoos? Does it really? Well Leviticus blank blank I think you gotta read that whole thing in there in context. Alright? What was happening, to people is that people were dying in their families and they were going and mutilating themselves, marking themselves up in anguish and grief over the death of that person. Right? But that's that's cherry. everybody got that that's cherry picking a verse. Right, we don't eat fish on Fridays because we don't eat catfish or shrimp or any of those sorts of things. But if you look at the collar of their shirt, it's of mixed garments. And the Bible inside the Old Testament law says that eating shrimp and wearing clothing that is of mixed fabrics is equally a sin in Jewish customs. All right. So they love to cherry-pick verses. They don't know the hell counsel of the Bible. What do save say, people? When Jesus comes inside of you, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, and even the parts that you don't understand, you're willing to submit and strive for to submit to the entire Bible. It is the authority of our lives. What it says, we believe and we submit to. All of it. Even the parts that make us feel uncomfortable, like list of sins. Next one. Religious activity. Deceived people. Again, these are people who believe, they they profess that they have a relationship with Jesus, but they ultimately don't really possess it. Deceived people participate in religious activity. they'll go to church. They'll go to a small group. They may even be a member of a church. They may occasionally listen to Christian Family Radio.
1: Right?
0: They they vote Republican, right? Because Christians are Republicans. That's what we're supposed to do. They participate in religious activity. They may have a bunch of Bibles at the house. And again, if you ask them a series of questions, they'll say yes, 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 yes to all of these things. They, they participate in religious activity. They're, they're engaging in some sort of thing. Maybe it's a cool group to hang out with, all these sorts of things, but we don't really take Jesus and his Bible seriously. Those are deceived people. The fruit of salvation inside of a believer, and again, these are not all of them, but the fruit that outpours in a true believer is obedience as a response. Like, we love to be obedient. Yeah, sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it's harder. We fall into seasons of disobedience. But the Lord pulls us back. When we drift away from Him, He, he, he pulls us back. But we see over and over and over again the pattern of the true Christian is, is that there is this obedience as a response. And I made sure that I put a response there because again, I want to reiterate this. Let me be clear. I'm not saying that doing these things is what saves you. Only Jesus saves you. This is the fruit, some of the fruit of those who experience true salvation. We have a relationship that produces obedience. When you understand and biblically believe, when you are humbled by your sin and by the Holy Spirit, you make war against that sin, when you submit to the whole world, when you look at what Jesus has done compared to who you are, then ladies and gentlemen, as a response of Him saving you, then you want to live your life, a life of obedience toward Him. And to see, people don't do that. They just want to check their boxes. They want their go to heaven card. They want to be able to say, man, I was baptized when I was four years old. The preacher told me I was saved. I repeated this prayer. I I went before the church. He said, come on down if you need Jesus. And I came on down, and at the end of it, he said, say this, say this, say this. And he said, did you say it? And they looked at the crowd, and everybody went, absolutely crazy, because he said, I said those words that the preacher said, and you're counting on something that took place a long time ago. Maybe you got baptized in a food trough, a baptistry, it was running water, but there's been no transformation. Do not be deceived, friend. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11. And some were such of you. And such were some of you. And such were some of you. Paul moves from the negative to worship as he remembers the transforming power of Jesus. When Jesus saves someone, he changes their identity. And this is something that you're going to have to look at as we look through these passages in more detail, is that this becomes the identity of these folks. And so when we say that it's not right or that dishonors God, what they don't understand is, is that if you don't accept them and their sin, then you're not accepting them. Why? Because it's their identity. I know there are some great probably things with AA, NA, all that sort of stuff, but it doesn't matter if you've not had touched the, the, the white lightning in 50 years. One of the things that they'll often say is you've got to stand up and say, hello, my name is such and such, and I'm an addict. Not if you're in Jesus. You're his son. You're his daughter, so were some of you. Paul is saying, "Remember, like in this room, in this church, that, that some of you used to live this, you know, this sexual immorality, this this life of fornication, this life of adultery, this life of homosexual." That that, that the people, the membership, they could say, you could walk up and you had somebody new who said that they were struggling with something. You could say, "Hey, man, this, this is where my, my 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 sister's in Christ, and you know what? She has a very similar story to her. She was uh, living in a a, a lesbian lifestyle or homosexual lifestyle. That's who she was though. But Who is she now? She is in Christ. It's who you once were. But now because of Jesus your identity has gone from being his enemy to being his son to being his daughter. You once were these things so were some of you. But now You are in Jesus. You are in Christ. He has transformed your life. He has saved you. So what do you want to do? You want to biblically believe. You want to be humbled, make war against your sin. You want to submit to the whole Bible. You want to be uh, obedient as a response to Him. Why? Because just like the Corinthians, such is the story of the people of Mission Church. And I pray that every one of these open seats is filled. Not so that we can proclaim that, man, more and more people are coming to Mission. But no, I, I want our church to be filled with someone that all us know used to work out on 10th Street as a prostitute, or the drug dealer gets baptized by his um, former buyer and uh, purchaser inside of the baptistry. That within this, that there are thieves and revilers and gossipers and drunkards and addicts whom Jesus has radically saved, and they can boldly proclaim, that's who I used to be, but who am I now? I am in Christ, courtesy of his grace, courtesy of his love, courtesy of his forgiving power, that he has completely transformed my life. And if you can't say and see that your life has radically transformed, I don't care what you said when you were eight years old or what water you got baptized in or what the preacher said at the end of that, you have been greatly deceived. And so I beg you, I plead with you, that the Holy Spirit, if I did not think that this was possible in the very hands of Jesus, I would not be proclaiming. I am simply trying to be faithful, believing that today could be the day that Jesus so sees the importance and the value that this was the day that he predestined before the foundation of the earth to remove the scales from your eyes to reveal the greatness of Jesus. So were some of you. Brothers and sisters, if you are a Christian, please don't forget where you come from. Because there are people in our midst and in our city who are still living in that ditch. And the Lord has given us a mission to remind ourselves, yeah, that's who I once was too, brother. I could tell you some stories. But in Christ, that does not define me. That is not my identity. My identity is in Him. Which one are you? deceived
1: or the greatly forgiven let's pray